podcast where we share those super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Today's guest is familiar to many people tuning into the podcast already, I'm sure. I'm super excited to welcome Bianca Pryor, who is currently the vice president uh, at BET, supporting research for 10 plus business units across BET networks. And she's also a board member of the Insights Association excellent organization and chair of something they call the Idea Council at the Insights Association. I have to say, I saw Bianca and her uh, colleague Epiphany Espinoza speak at the Corporate Researchers Conference last fall, uh, and it was amazing. You just don't expect, as part of a research presentation, to see people laughing and crying and cheering and being sad and just like the full range of emotions. It was really something else, so super cool. Now, as busy as Bianca is, she devotes much of her spare time to her side gig and passion project, supporting the maternal health of black mothers through action and technology. And she's here to tell us all about it today. So welcome to the podcast, Bianca. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you so much, fans. I'm really excited to be here today. I, you know, Echoing everything Matt said, you know, I think that's that is um, my journey. My journey has been a long career in insights, um, but also exploring other parts of myself. And I think, you know, just my own lived experience has opened up other pathways for me to break into femtech, to break into Black maternal health, and also becoming a mom and learning that, you know, because that's a journey in of itself as well. So there's many sides to Bianca and I'm excited for this podcast. I, I love that it's a, a safe space to be able to show up as our, our full and a whole self. Awesome. Super cool. Well, we'll be getting into lots of that good stuff. And uh, again, just super uh, thankful that you uh, have joined us today. So yeah. Now let's talk. Uh, it is rock and roll research, right? So let's talk. Let's talk research first. Now, yeah. how'd you how'd you find your way into this crazy world of market research and insights? Oh, I I love this question so much because research and insights is absolutely my passion. So, believe it or not, it all started my junior year of undergrad. So I went to Virginia Union University, which is a small historically black college in Richmond, Virginia, and I was taking consumer behavior class. And I loved when I stepped into the class. I loved that there was statistics, but there is also this very artistic creative side, like how do you measure and the demographics of people who might see a piece of creative communication. And I was really nerding out on that. And I was like, yeah, like I could see going on to study this even more deeply, just the notion that I could get into consumers' heads and minds and hearts on why they made the choices that they made. I love that. So back when it was like early days of Google, I was like, master's degree in consumer behavior. <laughs> Literally like three programs came up. It was Purdue University in Indiana, a program in Canada and a program in Utah. And I was like, I'm not going to Utah or Canada. <laughs> I'll stick to Purdue wherever that's at. And so I actually made contact with someone there at Purdue and they were like, yeah, come on out. We'll fly you out. It was like a pipeline program. And I got to go for a couple of days and tour the um, campus as well as 
get really close to the department itself and learn more about consumer behavior. So that was actually my first entrance where I'd say I'm a properly trained academic researcher. So yeah. learning SAS back then, learning theory, you know, and being able to apply all that. But getting to the corporate side, you know, I realized I wasn't ready to stay for my PhD. And I said, yeah, I'd like to, to, to live a bit, you know, make some money and see what's out there. So sure. started figuring out how I could apply a degree such as consumer behavior. And it became clear I either needed to work at an ad agency or like a marketing shop, mm -hmm. or I could go brand side and like work in-house and consumer insights. So I ended up just getting picked up. Um, by a TNS was like my my real first quantitative, I'd say my quant side experience crack was at um, TNS Cantar and um, was on the brand and communications team there for many different financial service companies. And that was back in 2007. And that was my first kind of ushering in. And then I've just soared from there and really thankful for all the opportunities and doors that have been open. And I really attribute being at Brain Juicer, you know, now System One to mm -hmm. really, really leveling me up and, and making that move from senior research consultant to senior vice president um, and learning, you know, things that were like just research management all the way to like building teams, managing books of business, yeah. vision, shepherding and guiding clients. So all that fun stuff. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because we have people on here. Uh, and of course, you know, you talk to people in the research industry and the story so often is, oh, I fell into it this way or that way. Um, but you really planned for it, uh, set it as a goal. And, and here you are. This is what you uh, were excited about in college and you, you found your way here. So let me ask one, one question about it, because for a lot of people, it's a big change to go from as you mentioned, like Cantar and mm -hmm. Brain Juicer System One mm -hmm. to the client side at BET. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that transition for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I always like to say my experience at TNS was like, like legit like the Marines, like we were, I'm talking boot camp. they yeah. flew us out to Toledo and like we were trained on all the aspects of research from like building sampling specs, you know, to advanced analytics, you know, how to do a, a successful and impactful kickoff meeting. Like that's how detailed those boot camps back in the day were. And so that really prepared me, you know, I, I say Matt for the research management side and very much the project management side of it. So when I, when I moved on to Brain Juicer System One, I was ready. I was ready. The, the only piece, the unlock I needed to work at was the client management side. And that came, I remember like within our first few months, you know, my boss at the time was like, all right, you're ready to go on a pitch. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> And, you know, then, but then I started to learn all the bits and pieces to, to selling, to pitching, to creating capabilities decks, to selling something and whether it was a product service or even just an idea within the business to gain influence from, you know, your peers to help, you know, push something up. So, you know, I would say that um, really set me up nicely was that that experience from TNS, carrying it over to, to Brain Juicer. And then I really had all the right tenants, right? So now I was wearing all three hats by the time I came over to BET in 2019, 2020, I, I was ready. So now coming client side, it, the difference to me has been just navigating different relationships and right. um, the, um, 
you know, the politics is, it's a new territory for me, but it's an exciting one because it's still, how do you create influence, you know, flex your soft power, persuade, um, move the ball down the court, all of those things. How do you do that in such a way that you're, you're creating, you're getting more viewers or you're getting more subscribers to BET plus, or you're getting more, more folks to tune in to, um, check out our social media. So all of these things, like it's my job to figure out how do the insights connect back to that. So I'd say I've been trained very well and um, put in some interesting situations that, you know, push me along. Yeah, great. Cool. Um, so let's, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about research in a minute, but let's switch gears here. Uh, would love to hear uh, a bit about Dr. Shalon's Maternal Action Project. Sure, sure. Yeah, happy to share. So I, when I was at System One, and this was about 2016, 2017, uh, 2016, my best friend and I, who I met at Purdue, her name is uh, Dr. Shalon Irving. We were actually pregnant at the same time. Okay. And so yeah, so I was actually due April 2017 and she was due January 2017. Um, it turns out, you know, we, I used to laugh about this, like we just did not plan it well. Like it was a dream, two best friends, you know, pregnant at the same time. It's like, great, our kids get to grow up together. We're so excited. Um, but what we didn't think about is like, oh, you can't fly like to get to my baby shower, like the so little details like that. But um, there was an unfortunate turn of events where I had actually delivered my son very preterm. So December, he came December 15th, 2016. So he was only 24 weeks old, one pound, 10 ounces. Oh my goodness. Yeah, 13 inches long, itty bitty uh, micro preemie. And um, that that kept me on the ground and I couldn't be there for her, her, her delivery of her baby, which was early January. Um, Shalon started not to feel well. So that's where the turn of events happened. She started not to feel well and um, essentially had complications, three very severe complications three weeks after she gave birth and she ended up um, passing away. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh. Yeah, and that was January 28th, 2017. So uh, we actually celebrated her or remembered rather her five-year anniversary um, last week. And, um, you know, that was a very difficult time, right? So here I am with a micropreemie baby in the NICU um, who wasn't due to get out until March, 2017. And my dear best friend, you know, had passed away and she just given birth to her baby who did survive. Um, it was, it was a very traumatic pregnancy and experience. Um, I will say that what I have done is turned that pain into purpose and decided to, you know, with, with her mother, Wanda Irving, we decided um, a couple years later, it, was, it wasn't until 2019, we obviously needed time to heal and, and raise toddlers um, to, to prop up a foundation in Shalon's name. And that's called Dr. Shalon's Maternal Action Project. Uh, 501c3 and you know we we said let's let's do it let's go let's go be on a mission to 
um, turn around the horrifying and alarming statistics against Black women, Black birthing people. Um, Black women are three to four times more likely to die during or after childbirth, and that's according to the CDC. And when you think about, you know, um, the industrialized like medical complex that we're that we have here, especially in the US, there's no reason for that, right? Like there's no reason why black women should be dying at that rate. Like we have to figure that out. So through Shalon's narrative, through her story, we've we've made that our mission to tell it, to uh, lift that up at Congress. We've spoken at Congress, you know, we're behind the um, Omnibus Act. Uh, that's fully supported by Congresswoman Lauren Underwood, Congresswoman Alma Adams, uh, uh, Cory Booker, um, Vice President Kamala Harris. So we are we are really trying to make an impact politically on a public health front. Um, and our newest venture is trying to do that through technology. Okay. Yeah. And we recently, so last year we launched an app called Believe Her. So that's our take on what we thought, uh, what would have made a difference, you know, in Shalon's situation, if, if the doctors had truly heard her pain, and if they really truly understood what they were seeing with her body, they would have recognized that, you know, the, the post edema swelling in her legs was not normal, and they should have believed her and done something about it um, before it got that bad. So this space, it's a peer-to-peer -peer app. It's um, white labeled. We work with our partners called I Relate. And um, so basically we have, um, we welcome those who want to give advice, those who want to receive advice, come into this, on this app and this community. And we encourage you to give the advice, receive the advice and just essentially co-creating and sharing and being a safe space. It's all anonymous. And whatever pain you're feeling or whatever injustice you feel might have been had if you were in a, you know, um, a prenatal need, a prenatal appointment, you know, or if you felt like a doctor talked to you a way that didn't resonate, or you felt like it, there was, it was an act of obstetric violence, then use the app to um, communicate that and we'll come on and help you and support you. And there's also resources in there as well. Wow, I had I had no idea there was uh, such a personal personal story that was underlying uh, yes. the, the foundation and the work that you're doing there. That's um, that's really great um, that it's a problem that you're tackling. Um, I think it strikes me that somebody with your background, your educational background, and your work um, history, the types of things that you've worked on, that you would be well suited. Uh, to something like this, are there elements of your research experience that you've applied to uh, to this work? Oh, completely. Yeah, I'd say that. Um, I'll go back to my experience at System One Brain Juicer. You know, was it really allowed me to be like you know a hardcore entrepreneur in that way, and that I could learn to set something up and. Um, <laughs> as my colleagues would say, just get on with it, right? And yeah. I love that that bias towards action that I, I learned quite well there and to just prop something up. If you have an idea, a, a, a concept, 
just get it off the ground. Like it's, it's up to you to green light the thing. So I think I, I took a lot of those principles and applied that very much to setting up the foundation. So first, one of the first things I did was like, what's the competitive landscape like, you know, for the black maternal health um, space. And it became very clear. It, there were very specific swim lanes. You had the public policy from public health. You had a small, but, but developing swim lane for, um, a digital transformation and health. Um, you had the the OB guide route. So many different lanes, and we had to figure out where we were going to fit in. Uh, I'd say also from if you check out the website, drshalonsmap.org, you'll see that um, the branding, the visual identity, was again inspired by just my my market research branding experience from prior days, just knowing like look and feel, color, how does all of that string together to tell that narrative? And we really worked with a great partner to help bring that to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's so important because I think a lot of times people have a good idea, their heart's in the right place, but they don't know how to execute it. You know, they hope that they hope that the cause is is enough to carry it forward. And oftentimes that's not the case. Correct, correct. And I think being really insistent that we have something in our portfolio or in our offering, you know, was really important to me. I was like, we have a wonderful, uh, I say wonderful, but it's, it's a very tragic and sad story, right? Losing my best friend, Wanda losing her daughter, Soleil losing her mother, but it humanizes the data when you hear Black women are dying three are three to four times more likely to die during and after childbirth. You know, it's it's a statistic. But when you tell the story, like, and if you push it further and say, and that statistic was Shalon, and Shalon was a daughter, Shalon was a best friend, Shalon had her PhD, she was a scholar, she was a, you know, a, an epidemiologist, she was a, a mother. Like that's when you start to feel that pain and where you feel like yeah, we have to do something about it. This is an absolute public health crisis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so the question for you, Bianca, um, just reflecting on the presentation that I saw you and Epiphany, if I referenced earlier, um, it, it was very interesting to me because I was, like other people in the room, we were all sort of enraptured with what you were saying. And I came away feeling like I just heard this really interesting story. Mm -hmm. But when I reflected on it later, I thought this really was a research presentation. There's all, all different sources of data that are being woven in here, qualitative, quantitative, uh, viewership data, cultural data, all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so, Clearly, you've got uh, sort of mastery over uh, what data is designed to do. So from where you're sitting, and so much has changed in media, right? Yes. Uh, so from where you're sitting, you know, what, what do you see the future of research and insights looking like? What's going to be important? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say very much, you know, in my world, in media entertainment, we we often say you have to feed the beast you know it, it's yeah. it's so fast and i'd say that in the same vein we've seen the insights industry it's moved to, to space that's more self-serve diy transformative quick 
you know, and I'd say it's moving to that space where it's becoming uh, more decentralized. You know, you're not seeing these giant insights departments any longer, and they're being enmeshed and ingrained in other departments, you know, and as they should be, I think you can create that effect. Um, I'd say it's a speed. I'd say it's speed. And I think there's also going to be a hunger for more in our world, we call advanced analytics, but I think in other spaces like tech, you know, they're calling it um, big data, data science, machine learning, AI. And I think there's eventually going to be an expectation where those worlds collide and we're going to have to understand that and we're going to have to know how to whisper that and intuit what we're seeing in these um, different approaches. And I'm excited about it. I, I actually, you know, fully embrace it. I also dabble in another organization called Black Women in Artificial Intelligence because I'm just genuinely curious about what is that space? You know, when I hear artificial intelligence, I'm like, you know, thinking Star Trek and all these other, you know, interesting data models yeah. and it excites me. Um, and I'm very curious about it because I, I do see a world where these were insights, traditional insights, market research and AI, ML, big data, all that are going to just draw closer and closer to one another. And that'll be, and I want to be on the, the frontier of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Exciting. So much has, so much has changed, especially mm -hmm. all the possibilities. Super cool. Yeah. So, so as you think about, uh, this is a podcast, right? Uh, and I'm sure there are podcasts, blogs, all kinds of sources, doesn't matter the format. Uh, and I mean, working in media and entertainment, you could choose whatever you like, right? Yeah. So what sources do you turn to for enjoyment, inspiration, et cetera? Yeah, so hands down, love me some music. So I'm, I'm always listening to like music. Um, when I have like, you know, burning the midnight oil, got to crank out a deck or something. I'm, I'm usually listening to music. And I listen to like a lot of old school reggae, like hard to find, obscure, yeah. um, you know, like 1960s, 70s, you know, dusty old records. And a lot of that you find on YouTube, um, not so much uh, Pandora or uh, Spotify. They're just not, or Apple, they're not on there yet. So YouTube, and you actually see them spinning the record and something mesmerizing about that. So a lot of YouTube, um, I'd say the other place, uh, just discovered a podcast called the Caribbean uh, Data Science Podcast, Data Scientist Podcast by Mark yeah. Moyoy. And so that's that just discovered it this week. That's really held my attention. Very interesting, very, very, um, where I was talking about, you know, traditional market research and insights in this new world. It, it helps me, it gives me language for this new world. And um, the conversation around artificial intelligence is just, it's fascinating. So that's another. And then I do a lot of parenting podcasts and articles and just tips and tricks for, you know, how to, how to work with a five-year-old who's going through five-year-old things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The, the last area I'd say is I, I fancy a podcast called Choose FI, which is Choose Financial Independence. And there's a whole mm. fire movement. Are you familiar with the fire movement? Uh, I'm not sure. So, uh, yeah, fire so. stands for financial independence, retire early. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. 
And one of my um, one of my good friends and industry friends, she put me on to it years ago. And so I love the podcast because it just gives you a lot of great like hacks and tips and things to think about, like how your money should align with your values and um, why would someone want to retire early and to what end um, and, you know, budgeting tips and investment hacks, all that fun stuff. So cool. Is there, a, is there a show from somewhere across the BET networks that uh, you would recommend? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So the one should recommend that I'm just a huge fan of is First Wives Club. So that's on BET Plus. That is our streaming platform. Love it. Like, I, it reminds me of a just a, a grown woman version of of girls, which was Lena Dunham's, yeah, the care, okay. Issa Rae's. It just it addresses like this slightly older, um, age relevant group for me that I can relate to, and sure. uh, conversations around you know relationships and careers and um, interpersonal relationships with you know your girlfriends and whatnot. So it, I just love the content and um, that's written by Tracy Oliver and um, Michelle Bateau is on it and she's plays one of the characters and she's hilarious. I laugh nonstop with her. So yeah, I, I love First Wives Club. Awesome. Super cool. Well, you mentioned uh, being a big music fan. Uh, it's, oh, I'm a big music fan as well. And you've maybe you've already given some clues about your answer to this question. You know, some old school reggae, great stuff. Uh, but I have to ask, I mean, you're, you're already you're already in the islands, right? So you're, you're stranded on a desert island, Bianca. You've got three records, your choice, uh, your choice to choose to, to keep you company for the rest of your days. What are they? Oh my gosh. So not only am I going to tell you, I'm going to show you because I love records yes. and vinyls so much. So Oh, yeah. Now you're talking. There's this uh, amazing record store off White Plains Road here in the Bronx called Moody's Records, and that's where I go and Vinyl Hunt. And so the three I would bring, one would be, this is the best of Alton Ellis. If you can see, it looks kind of aged. It's fantastic. So breaking up is hard to do, sitting in the park. Um, still I try, Willow Tree, beautiful. And it's by Studio One, which, uh, I'm, excuse me, this one's Coxon, Coxon Records, but Coxon started actually Studio One. So Studio One is like the Motown of Jamaica. Um, so great 60s, 70s, uh, like the infusion of um, like, you could think Temptations meets like reggae. So that's a yeah. lot of the music coming out. So this is a little yeah. bit more kind of contemporary-ish. So this is Sanchez. I can't wait. So this is, I can't wait is one of my favorite songs wow. and a lot of, and he does a lot of covers, but what I love about this record, Matt, is that there's like a signature and it says shotgun Johnny. I'm like, who is <laughs> shotgun Johnny? I want to find him. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. The third one would be another um, along the lines of Temptations, but one of their covers, A Love I Can Feel. This is John Holt. So he's another legend. Um, and this is a Studio One album. But yeah, I, I, I collect and I'm, 
I sometimes even will wear the, the white gloves when I touch them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty serious. That's yeah. pretty serious. You know, when you're, when you've got your hands on the good stuff though, right? Uh, you've got to do it right. So very cool. Well, I, I appreciate that so much. Just, of course, I've got vinyl behind me. You know, I'm I'm all about the vinyl, and I love props. So thank you for bringing. Yes, yes no problem. My pleasure. All right, Bianca. Um, this has been great. Really appreciate you sharing your story of market research, which is actually different from so many people. You know, you plan to get into it, and you got into it. <laughs> um, and, and of course, the uh, the tragic story of your French salon. Uh, turned into uh, an opportunity for you to uh, really bring something positive uh, yeah. about it. So thank you so much for your time, Bianca. Let's definitely stay in touch. Can't wait to see you speak again at some conference somewhere. So thanks so much and rock and roll.